The death of Saul, the first king of Israel, spans the division between the first and second books of Samuel. The end of the first book of Samuel describes how the Philistines deal with Saul. They defeat him in battle, which leads to Saul falling on his own sword to end his life. The beginning of the book of 2 Samuel describes how David deals with Saul's death. He sings a lament. This shepherd boy who sang while tending Jesse's sheep now sings for the death of Saul and his dear friend Jonathan. We're told that this lament is not a song for himself. In verse 17 we read, David intoned this lamentation over Saul and his son Jonathan. He ordered that the song of the bow be taught to the people of Judah. It is written in the book of Jashar. This is an unknown book of poetry, sometimes called the book of the upright, and is mentioned only one other place in the Bible, in the book of Joshua. It describes Joshua's military exploits. So David instructed that this lamentation, the song of the bow, be preserved for future generations and taught to the people of Jodah. Perhaps we could name it a lament in the school of the Lord. In it, David expands the circle of his sorrow beyond himself to include the people of Judah, and beyond them to Judah's enemies and beyond them to include even their lands. It is haunting and beautiful. Those who were in life were swifter than eagles, stronger than the lions now lie fallen. The shield of Saul anointed with oil no more. The sword of Saul returned empty. The bow of Jonathan not turned back. Your glory, O Israel, lies slain upon the high places. How the mighty have fallen. Let there be no dew or rain upon the mountains of Gilboa. Tell it not in Gath. Proclaim it not in the streets of Ashkelon, lest the daughters of the Philistines rejoice. But daughters of Israel weep over Saul. How the mighty have fallen in the midst of the battle. Those who know even the briefest outline of Saul's disastrous kingship and lethal jealousy towards his protege David know that this lament is no model for our own funeral homilies. This Saul is unrecognizable as the man we have read about in the first 31 chapters of 1 Samuel. Are we even at the right funeral? I take my clue for how to make sense of this incongruity from two details in the portion of chapter one which precedes the lament. The first is this insistence of David that the lament be preserved for generations and taught to his people. This is no personal song, ding dong, the witch is dead. David's eyes are fixed on a wider horizon. The second detail, I think, hits at why David leaves out so much of Saul's life. David is in Ziklag when he receives the news of Saul's death. What is he doing in Ziklag? He has fled 
to this dusty, one-stoplight town just over the border of Judah into the land of the Philistines, their enemies, because he hopes Saul won't look for him there. We hear of David's desperation in chapter 27 of 1 Samuel. I am going to perish one day by Saul's hand, so there's nothing better for me to do than to escape to the land of the Philistines. And maybe Saul will get tired of looking for me within the borders of Israel, and I shall escape out of his hand. David's response to Saul's jealousy of him, his desire to kill him, David, who slew Goliath, who slew tens of thousands of Philistines to Saul's thousands, it is a refusal to do any violence to Saul. David will protect himself only by dodging and running from Saul, even to Ziklag, but not by violence. Even when he has a chance, he refuses. You remember that when Saul walked unarmed into the cave where David and his men are hiding, not only does David not kill him, he bows to the ground and prays, May the Lord avenge me, but I shall not take your life. As in his life, so in his lament. David will do no violence to Saul, either with sword or song. For Saul is the Lord's anointed. He is God's choice, God's instrument of God's purposes. So what are we to learn? David understands how God's purposes are carried out through God's chosen and, yes, flawed vessels. Like the morning light which inches along the cracked and warped floorboards of our homes, so too God's purposes through human history, using even somehow our sin and disobedience. My ways are not your ways, says the Lord. And so David will not force his ways on the Lord's anointed. If he is to become king, and he will, it will only be through God's ways, not his own. And so on the news of Saul and Jonathan's death, he sings and preserves for us also to sing his song of the bow. It is a lament to this reality, which is as certain as God's purposes. The mighty will fall, even the glory of Israel. All of them, all of us. How do the mighty fall? The story of Saul counts the ways. Jealousy, impatience with God, an unwillingness to listen to God, disobedience, and on and on. David is a better king than Saul. Unlike Saul, he listens to God. But David, too, will stumble, as do all the kings that come after him. How the mighty are fallen. But we are not to rejoice in their downfall or rejoice in their wrongs, for this is not God's ways among God's people. For we too will fall, or at least stumble, and this too God will use for his purposes. This is worth preserving for generations. 
this refusal to deride those who have fallen, this insistence that it is not God's ways, because God uses the fallenness of his people for his own good purposes. How we should sing of this, especially in these strange times with our base political and even ecclesial discourse. This canticle is not in our hymnals or books of common prayer or BAS, but it has been sung for generations as David hoped. A Latin motet in the 14th century, an oratorio by Handel for the funeral of Queen Caroline. It was included in the most popular book of psalms and hymns in early New England. The anthem, the beauty of Israel is slain, how are the mighty fallen, became a favorite text, a hit, you might say, in 18th century New England. Maybe we can work on a revival. Your glory, O Israel, lies slain upon your high places. How the mighty have fallen. We need not do violence to those who have fallen, even our enemies with weapons or words, trumpet or tongue. David teaches us where in God's hands, through God's ways, it all leads. Across the cracked and warped floorboards of David's own house, his sad lineage, God worked his purposes. Jesus will stumble, literally stumble as he carries his cross. Jesus, Israel's glory too, will be slain in the high places. Jesus, Israel's glory too, will fall. And we know how God will use it. Amen.